BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. The legends are true. But overwhelming power. The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Donald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. Let me introduce you to our latest sponsor, the Andre Law Firm. Andre Law can represent you or your business in a variety of civil and commercial matters. Do you have a client that has proven difficult to collect from? Andre Law also specializes in collection law and can expedite your collection on judgments from your defaulting clients. The principal of Andre Law Firm is Tony Andre, a North Miami native with years of experience representing businesses and individuals throughout the state of Florida. Based in Aventura, you can give him a call at 786 786- Seven zero eight zero eight one three, or visit his website at andrelaw.com. Again, give Andre Law a call at seven eight six seven zero eight zero eight one three to set up your consultation. All right, I want to talk to you about a new sponsor of ours, and it's one that is very relevant to the moment. They're a new division of Greenview Construction, and they are called Making America Clean Again. Making America Clean Again holds certificates in bacterial, viral, fungi, and mold cleaning treatments. They offer professional cleaning, sanitizing, disinfecting, and sterilization services to a wide range of residential and commercial projects. You can do overnight ozone UV generator treatments or even permanently install UV ionized advanced oxidation technology into your HVAC system. Now, we know and understand, and quite frankly, we hope, that businesses across the state and nation remain shuttered as long as absolutely necessary necessary to beat back the spread of the coronavirus. But when that time finally comes, it's having that certificate to display at your workplace showing that it has been properly cleaned by a licensed professional and maintained will go a long way to restoring that customer trust. So for more information, you can look up Making America Clean Again. You can go to their website at www.macainc.net or you can just call them at 855-561-6653. Again, that's 855-561-6653. Welcome to Three Yards Per Carry, a podcast covering the Miami Dolphins and the NFL. Now, here's your hosts, Chris, Alf, and Simon. And we're on, and welcome to a special edition of Three Yards Per Carry. Normally, we'd be talking about undrafted free agents and the Dolphins' plan to have fans at games this year, but we were met with the sad news this morning that Pro football icon Don Shula has passed away at the age of 90, so we're doing a special edition of this show. 
I have Chris Kaufman here with me. I have Five Reasons Sports Chief and co-host of the Five on the Floor podcast, Ethan Skolnick. And we will also be joined by Larry Bluestein of Bluestein Recruiting. So, Ethan, uh, how will you remember the man? Well, there's a couple of ways. I mean, you know, obviously when you have some personal interactions with somebody, although I, I certainly didn't have as many as uh, one of your other guests here, Larry Bluestein had, but when you have some personal interactions, you're always going to remember those. Um, but then there's also sort of how you remember someone in the context of what they meant to other people. Uh, for me personally, you know, I just, I, I didn't cover him because my first year covering sports down here was 1996. So it was Jimmy's first year, <laughs> you know, it was after Don had been pushed out and it was actually, you know, Riley's second year. So it was this kind of new beginning, the way it was perceived for South Florida sports. You had this icon who was coming to coach the Miami Heat and run the Miami Heat, but you also had an icon being pushed out with the Dolphins replaced by another icon in Jimmy Johnson. And so at that point, you know, the Shula name, you know, although obviously I had followed it and, uh, you know, I grew up in New York because so I was a Jet fan. You know? So, uh, you know, obviously I followed it on the other side and, and was tired of losing to them. Uh, so, you know, I knew everything about him, but I didn't know him. And so that was sort of an education. And, and at that point, the Shula name, I think, had been sullied a little bit because of the way that things went in 1995 with the 21 or 22 first round draft picks and the season getting off to such a good start and blowing out Buffalo. And then ultimately, you know, it falling apart at the end. And, and so, you know, I, I think what people forget now is that, you know, we're looking 25 years ago, but there was a big push to get Don Shula out. I mean, Jimmy Johnson was the hot guy. Um, the way I look at it is it's kind of Jimmy Johnson at that stage was kind of like, if Nick Saban had gone after winning, you know, championships in Alabama and then won two in the NFL, like that's how hot Jimmy Johnson was. And so, you know, there wasn't a lot of consternation about switching from Shula to Jimmy at the time. Now, looking back at it, you know, you can say that, you know, Jimmy may not have been fully invested, at least after the first couple of years. And, and then obviously the transition to Dave and pretty much for the Dolphins, it's been downhill since, uh, you know, obviously you hope for, a revival now. So I think looking back at it, there should be more appreciation for what Shula did. I mean, to have two losing seasons in 26 when he was here and I crunched the numbers today. I mean, they've had 15 losing seasons and the other 28. So uh, that tells you, you know, his impact, you know, I, again, the, the other kind of, uh, you know, the way I would look at him, you know, from a tactical standpoint, and again, Larry can speak more to this, but what amazed me about him was looking at the older teams, which were basically run-based teams, defensive teams, mm -hmm. and then turning over the keys to this gunslinger who was, what, the fifth quarterback picked in the first round and basically just saying we're going to play totally differently. And not only are we going to play totally differently, but we're going to put a couple of tiny little receivers around you that were not drafted high, and, and, and we're going to have this incredible offense. And I know that there was frustration that the defense and the running game never came with it, but those teams were pretty damn entertaining. And I think when you look back at it now, you'll say, okay, you know, 10 and 11 win seasons, even if you lost in an AFC championship game to Buffalo, were not the worst thing in the world. So, I mean, I, again, I saw him a lot in his later years. Um, I saw him when, you know, he obviously was in the wheelchair, not his good health, but I have, I have a lot of memories of first thing. You always remember my name, which I appreciated because I didn't cover him. I mean, I, I did a couple of special section things with him, but I didn't cover him. And then also, you know, I, he would go to a lot of heat events. Um, he would go to the Eric Reed, Tony Fiorentino events. And, and so, you know, he had a presence there. 
And the one story I told today on a video I did was, I think it was about six, seven years ago. I forgot the occasion, but at the stadium, Riley and Schuler were both supposed to speak. I think it was for the opening of something. <laughs> And we found out about an hour beforehand that Don was ill and was not going to attend. And I just remember seeing Riley when he found out and there was tremendous disappointment. And he, uh, he actually honored him, you know, at the beginning of his speech. And then of course, cause it's Pat, he basically spoke for two, but you know, it was, uh, it was pretty remarkable to see somebody who's risen to the total top of his game, doing a lot of the things that Shula did have this reverence for this other figure in this town. And, and so I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah. It, um, I, I think I, I remember him in a whole different way because I remember the, the Don Shula who first got here, um, 40 years old, 1970, um, kind of intertwined with the entire family. Uh, his two sons, Dave and Mike, um, I, I actually covered, uh, when I was young, when I was just out of high school, I started covering David Chaminade. And, um, and then later on in the early eighties, Mike at Columbus and, uh, Don, the, the great thing about this, cause I started when I was 16 years old in this business and I had an opportunity, uh, to, to go to all the press conferences, uh, especially during the summertime and during the, uh, during the camps. Um, and the one thing was, is you always used to hear the horror stories from the reporters because no one wanted to ask him a question. I mean, cause he, I mean, cause if it wasn't a perfect question, you might as well, you know, hide your head uh, wherever you could, because I mean, this is, he was, he was a, he was a no nonsense guy. Uh, great sense of humor when he wanted to, but the one thing that the things that I remember, the most and uh, you know he was he knew me extremely well because not only did I have an opportunity to cover his two sons but his three grandkids and um, I'll start with the first story uh, 1975 draft and the drafts were great back then because you know what not like now I mean uh, you know obviously social media uh, kind of ri- rides the airwaves and I mean like when we were doing our show the social media pretty much had every pick before we even you know, kind of, uh, kind of could guess it, but back then, um, you, you would huddle in at St. Thomas or Biscayne college as it were. Um, and here you had all the, the reporters and in, in one room and their war room was just his office. And it was just like, you know, just like an old school, hardcore uh, office. And, um, uh, the 1975 draft. And I, and I, and I always remembered, I said, there's a guy who I, you know, he, he knew that I covered recruiting and, you know, ever since I was young and, and um, he walked by, I think this was about an hour before the draft. And he looks at me and he goes, who would you take in the first round? And I'm thinking, well, you know, here's, here's Don Shula asking me, you know, in front of everybody. I mean, you know, you were talking to Tony Segretos and everybody uh, of the world and uh, he's asking me and, um, I said, well, one of my picks would have to be coach Freddie Solomon. You know, I, I watched Freddie at University of Tampa. He was, a, he was a quarterback. He had beaten the University of Miami the year before. I said, and, and you know, I think he's going to project to a, a wide receiver. And all of a sudden, when they came up with the, I think after they picked Daryl Carlton with their first pick, I was sitting in there and you could see, you know, they would come out, you know, because uh, – 
I don't think ESPN was around or they didn't cover it as extensively back then, but they would, um, Charlie Callahan, who was there before, obviously before Harvey Green, uh, Charlie was a crusty old guy from Notre Dame and Charlie comes out and he goes, ah, they just took Freddie Solomon in the, in the second round. He's a receiver uh, from Tampa. Everyone looks at him. And, I was just, you know, I mean, what, I mean, here's a guy that I figured at the time would be a great fit. Well, long story short, they, they would go a certain amount of rounds that day. I think they would go four or five rounds and then they would break for their lunch. So I'm walking over and, um, by myself, uh, to, you know, to the lunchroom, which was, I guess, you know, the, if you guys have ever been to St. Thomas, River, maybe about seven, yeah. 800, you know, it, it was, a, it was past the, where the dorm rooms were. And um, I'm walking by myself and then all of a sudden I feel this like presence on my neck and I look around and it's Don Shula. And he goes, you think we listen to you? <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> and I'm thinking to myself, wow, you know, I mean, I mean, cause he still to me, I mean, you, you know, I mean, I, I mean, to this day, I mean, I don't have a lot of, you know, guys and you know, people in sports that I've ever really been, you know, that and quote unquote infatuated with, you know, I mean, being a Met fan from the beginning, Tom Seaver was always a guy. Marcus Allen was always a guy that I followed. But here was a guy who, you know, you, you got to remember, I grew up with this. We, my dad took us to St. Petersburg for the first ever Dolphin practice in 1966. I mean, we were there. Mm. So, I mean, to see that type of, you know, I mean, here he was. I mean, this is an NFL team that, you know, I mean, that we had looked forward to having and here's a guy who come, you know, we saw him in the Super Bowl with the Colts and I mean, he was bigger than life. I mean, he really was, he was really bigger than life. And, um, uh, you know, for him to, to, like you said, Ethan, I mean, he remembered your name, you know, I mean, albeit, I mean, he's, he's in the later stages of his, you know, of his life as it were. And I mean, you know, he's, uh, you know, he's still sharp enough, but imagine then here's a guy 45 years old, 44 years old, at the top of his game, had just come off of what two two Super Bowls, three Super two Super Bowls, winning winning the first ever, and uh, to, it, it kind of like really put things into perspective what type of person he was. I mean, he could be mean, gruff to a lot of people, but he could be kind enough to single you out, you know, by yourself, you know, with nobody really around, and um, you know that and that was the type of relationship because I covered the Dolphins for. 11 years after that I covered him uh, when I was on uh, WQAM or WIOD as a sideline reporter and um, wouldn't you know that the years that I covered the Dolphins the uh, three years they would kill people so you, you hear and I was and I got the the envy of uh, covering the opposing team's locker room so here I was talking to Chuck Knoll after they just got their heads bashed in by the Dolphins on a and you know, I mean, who got a start me, under Shula? By the way, Chuck Knoll did get a start under yeah, Shula. Yes, yeah, yeah. But you know, to me, here's a guy who was bigger than life. And then I would later see him, guys. You know, at all the whether would at all the events, and probably the most surreal. I also do. I've done. Uh, I've announced the high school wrestling tournament in Florida for 37 years, and here was Don Shula and Dave Shula back in 2006 in the hallway of the Lakeland Center with pen and paper copying statistics of the – because their grandson is Dave's son, Chris, 
mm. wrestled at St. Thomas. But here, I mean, I'm thinking to myself, wait a minute. How does this fit? Here's Don Shula, uh, the most iconic football coach in history, in the hall, in the bowels of Lakeland Center, copying down wrestling uh, stats. And, you know, the, and, and to me, I mean, I just said to myself, right there, that, that defines him as a person because we've seen him as a head football coach. We saw him as a father. But here he is as a grandfather. And, yeah, we saw him at all the games. He would go with Dave. You know, David and his wife would work the St. Thomas games, and he would sit in the stands, and, you know, people would notice him. But to me, that's football, and that's his grandson. But here's wrestling, an obscure sport. But you got to remember, he came out of the Midwest, John Carroll, Cleveland area, huge wrestling hotbed. So he knew the sport. And I walked up to them. Uh, to Dave and to Don in the hallway and hey Larry you know both of them and everything I said this just blows my mind I even said that I said you guys oh yeah we got to keep up with what Chris who's gonna wrestle next and 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 that's the Don Shula that I remember I remember him kind of because it was always fun to see him in the early days uh, covering you know, when I covered a football because I just I loved the post game uh, news uh, conferences, the press conferences. I love them because everybody was so, you know how now, you know, you go to a heat game and everybody wants to ask Spo a question and, you know, everybody's outgoing. But back then it was like <laughs> no one wanted to really raise their hand in fear of maybe asking a question that's going to get him off. <laughs> you know, I mean, because you want to be fair and you want to be balanced, but at the same time, look who you're being fa- fair and balanced. A guy who could snap your head off all the way to the fact that here's somebody in the hallway of a obscure wrestling, obscure to most people, a wrestling tournament. And that's the guy I'm always going to remember. I'm going to always remember a guy who, who was the greatest football coach of all time. And you guys came in, you know, in the, in the tail end when, you know, when he was being pushed out, I mean, not in the wildest dream, not even in the wildest what I've ever believed that back in 1975, six, even back in the early, when he came in 70, all the way to, to, you know, when it was, when quote unquote air quotes, uh, when the game passed him by, you know, I mm-hmm. mean, that was the big thing. If you guys remember the game passed him by, and I'm thinking, how could that ever be? How could the game ever pass by somebody like this? Who is so detailed, um, who, you know, Joe Rose and I talked yesterday about the same thing. You know, it was weird before he even passed and you know, talked about Shula and how detailed he was and how much of a hard ass he was. But at the same time, you look back and talk to Joe today and he goes, you know what? All the times that he berated me and, you know, all the times he got on, got on me for being overweight or this or that, he goes, you know, you, you think back and you, I take it over and over again. And that's the effect he had. He, you know, he was, he was mean to be for a purpose. He made you run those gassers for a purpose. You know, back then in the hundred degrees and 99% humidity at Biscayne college, you're cursing him left and right. But you look back and you go, you know, he made us a better football team. He probably, and, and I, you know, you guys have been around football long enough, but he probably could do more with football talent than any head coach that I've ever seen. And that's a fact. See, you know, they, they talk about Pat Riley doing the same thing. 
it's just a certain, certain something that you have. And um, he had that. Yeah, and we'll get to the football side in a second, but I'll remember him as the first sports celebrity in this town. In the early 90s, I remember the Don Shula show. He used to do it at the Shula Steak 2 in Miami Lakes, right. Main Street. And I tell people this all the time now, and they look at me as if I'm crazy, where you would have a football coach do a live-to-tape show at 7 o'clock that would air at 8 o'clock p.m. Eastern, and at six o'clock, there would be a line around the block with people trying to get in to be in the live audience. He was that big. And he got whatever player he wanted, by the way, for his show. Like uh, if Luis Alvaro had three interceptions in that game, that's the guy that was on the show. Dan Marino had a big game. He would be on the show. All of that went by the wayside, of course, down here as, as the team progressively got worse. But I'll never forget, I used to take a, a football, a helmet, an 8x10, week after week to get it signed because I used to collect a lot of memorabilia. And I remember after the fourth or fifth time that he had signed stuff for me, he looked at me one time and he goes, hell of a shrine you got going there. <laughs> so he, he actually remembered me. But let me, get, let me get Chris Coffin in here on the football side of things. Chris, in 1982, the Dolphins make the Super Bowl and lose to, to the Redskins. 27-17, they had a team that barely threw the ball. David Woodley wasn't that great of a quarterback, I should say. They had a good running game, they had a very good defense. He completely tears it apart. They draft Dan Marino, and gone are the, the five tight ends that they used to carry on the roster and the three tight ends they used to play often. And in come four wide receiver sets, five wide receiver sets, and they're throwing the ball all over the lot the following year. They go from being in the Super Bowl to going 12-4 and four the following year, and the year after that, they go 14-2 and make the Super Bowl. In modern history, do you rem can you recall a coach that has just drastically changed styles just like that from one year to the next and continued with the success that Don Shula has had? Not, not very many successfully, no. Um, there have been there have been efforts to do that before, and we've seen it in, in even in the Miami Dolphins. You know when Tony Sperano sort of had his revelation that he can't he can't go around playing this old school football anymore, and he brings in Brian Dable and tries to to revamp things a little bit and open things up a little, and it just was not a success. But then you've seen uh, Bill Belichick switch from what they were doing in, say, 2006 um, with, you know, the, the personnel that they had, which they didn't have very good, um, very good skill position players. And they were more of a, more of a running and short passing and, uh, and tight ends and stuff like that. Um, and then they have an opportunity in 2007. They acquire Randy Moss as well as Wes Welker. And um, and um, his name is eluding me right now is uh, Dante Stallworth, I believe. And yes. um, and they they go with this wide open three wide receiver, you know, constant throwing the ball downfield. And they, they only paid a fourth round pick for Randy Moss. And of course, so they really revamped uh, and and redefined themselves on offense. And that's part of what has made Bill Belichick a great coach for the um for the New England Patriots over the years. Uh, not too many other guys have had their revelation that way and been able to execute it. And that's, I think, something that you have to appreciate about Don Shula 
uh, in the way that he reinvented himself from you know Woodley from Woodstock to uh, to Marino. Um, so I think I I had a I had a I had a comment on his legacy. I guess uh, and use Blue used the the term uh, bigger than life, and I thought that was interesting because for many Dolphins fans. A lot of Dolphins fans are like me, um, you know, either weren't very alive at the point that uh, that Don Shula was coaching a lot of games for the Miami Dolphins or uh, too young to remember or, um, you know, not not paying attention to the Dolphins at that time. Then the Dolphins fan base is pretty young, I think, um, right now. And so not, not a lot of people actually have experienced Don Shula the, the way, uh, you know, Bluestein has and what's interesting to me is this concept of bigger than life which is so accurate because there's this sort of ethereal quality about Don Shula this um this this shared but not necessarily not necessarily experienced nostalgia among Dolphins fans uh the Dolphins fans that weren't really there for the Shula days still enjoy the Shula days. And it's because of this sort of shared ownership of a piece of NFL history. I was just reading, you know, something earlier, you know, Don Shula who, who coached against George Hallis and also coached against Bill Belichick. So he coached against, uh, against a coach that was there for the very first season of the NFL in 1920. Mm -hmm. And um, he coached against a coach who was, who is still coaching in the NFL today. So this piece of NFL history, this cornerstone of NFL history, belonged to us, you know, belongs to us as uh, Miami Dolphins fans, even if you didn't experience it. And I think that that's, a, that's an interesting um, concept, an interesting phenomenon. And it's, it's some, you know, especially for fans that have been around for mostly the last 20 years of, um, of banging their head against the wall you know, he, he provided this opportunity for, um, for nostalgia and for, uh, and for feeling good about the history of the program. And, you know, that doesn't go away uh, with his passing. I think his legacy lives on that way. But, um, but it is, it is uh, valuable and I think um, and poignant to, to point that out uh, about the fan base today because, you know, a lot of them, weren't necessarily there in the seventies, eighties, or, uh, or even the, the early nineties. And, um, and now they're mourning his passing just the same. One story I will share is uh, I have a friend who uh, a couple of years back, just only a couple of years ago, he got married and uh, he's a big time Dolphins fan. He's got a, he's got a mem memorabilia room that probably, outstrips any that you guys have seen <laughs> and I've seen it. Um, he got married and he decided to just shoot a shot and, uh, and, and send out an invitation to Don uh, to the <laughs> wedding. And, uh, and, you know, so it's like, you know, go ahead, just do it. And, uh, and Don actually filled out the invitation card and sent it back and, and autographed it and, and gave his best wishes. And it was like, you know, right on the front, he's, <laughs> you know, decline, decline with deepest regrets. And, you know, Miami Dolphins, number one, see the back for autograph. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and that's, you know, that was just a testament to the, to the kind of guy that uh, Don was. And, um, and I'm grateful for him 
uh, having been a part of this franchise's history. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, Ethan, let's, let's, let's talk about his, the football here at the end of, of his career here. Mm-hmm. He went in the last four years, 11 and five in the AFC championship game. This is after everybody was saying that the, that football had, that the game had passed him by then nine and seven, then 10 and six and the second round of the playoffs. And then he finally finished with that year where they had the 22 first round picks and they went nine and seven and they lost in the first round to the Buffalo bills. Now, Everybody was freaking out toward the end of his tenure here. And I already just ran off the, you know, it's four consecutive winning seasons, three of them in the playoffs. Uh, the excellence that he had here for 20, 30 years. I blame, I blame that ring culture that I don't know when it started. I think it started with Michael Jordan in the 90s, where if, if you didn't win like six championships, you were, you were essentially worthless. Right. But the winning that he did down here. And it's interesting to me, and I guess you could speak to that. They blow him out of there, and Jimmy essentially reproduces a little lesser because he never, Jimmy never made an AFC championship game. Reproduces the last four years of Shula's tenure here. Yeah, I mean, I think we took it for granted, right? I mean, yes. I, I, th- I think that that's – and that happened. You know, again, I'm, I'm equating this to the only figure in town who I think is comparable, which is Pat Riley. and it happened here in the past couple of years. I mean, there was a Wiley, Riley washed crowd out there, yeah. right? Like replace Pat. It's time for him to go. He's, I mean, I, this isn't like a long time ago. This is like on draft night, like, like with Tyler Harrow, like, right. I mean, it, it's, he's passed his, and, and the reality was with Shula, some of that may have been true. If you look at his draft picks in the last few years, uh, they weren't real good. I mean, there was Tim Bowens and there was O.J. McDuffie, but there was also Eric Kumaro and, you know, Jackie. You know, I, I mean, I don't know what we think of Jackie Ship, but, uh, but John Boza. I mean, there were a lot of mistakes. I mean, yeah. what was it? And, and, and was it Andrew Milner and Billy Green or am I missing yeah. that? No, it was Billy Milner and Andrew Green. Yeah, it didn't matter. Yeah, yeah, ne- yeah. Neither, neither of them were any good. I mean, he missed a lot. And, and he also – really struggled to find players at certain positions. Um, you know, they, they always had pretty good pass catching backs, you know, whether it was you bring in a Byers or a Terry Kirby uh, or you had a Tony Nathan, uh, but they never really found a bell cow back uh, for Dan. And part of that was, was the offense, but part of it was also, they just never had anybody elite. I think if they'd had somebody elite, it might've looked different. Um, he did a better job finding some receivers like an Irving Fryer and others, towards the end and I mentioned OJ but uh, you know there were some struggles on the personnel end and let's not even get into you know some of the linebacker groups and particularly some of the DB groups I so uh, you know I, I think there was some re- reality to it that he had maybe slipped a little bit or at least that part of it had slipped uh, but I think when you look back at it now and you see the nine and ten wins stacked upon each other over and over or an 11 winning. And then there were also some bad luck. I mean, Stojanovic misses a kick, right? That might've looked a lot different. Uh, We might look at Dan's career differently. Dan tears the Achilles in 93. Uh, How does that change things? And then I mentioned all the draft picks they brought in in 95 or not the draft picks, but the former first round picks 
the Steve Entmans and the what was it, the Trace Armstrongs of the world. <laughs> They brought it uh, that year. Uh, you know, some tight worked, end. most didn't. Eric Green. Eric Green. Uh, yeah, you know, and, and so there, there was some, you know, he, he tried to patch things with some name veterans at times, whether it was a Keith Jackson or an Eric Green or, again, an Irving Fryer. Sometimes it worked, sometimes it didn't. So I think there was some truth to it, Alfredo, that, you know, on the personnel side, he wasn't perfect. But the team was still relevant. I mean, the team was still competitive. And I think now when you look after that, and then you have Jimmy, who did a total teardown, effectively did it the first two years, I thought, building the base, accumulating draft picks, finding gems like Zach and Jason and other Derek Rogers and others, and then but kept missing on the first round picks. And then the big miss was Moss and Avery. And, and when he missed on Randy Moss or didn't make the bold move, which was very un-Jimmy-like, it all kind of went downhill, and of course, he didn't really want Dan as his quarterback at that point anyway. And then it's turned over to Dave, where I mean, let's be honest, it kind of petrified, right? Like, I mean, <laughs> I, you know, I mean, I, and I'm a Dave guy more than most are, but I mean, he didn't build on it that much. He just kind of tried to sustain it until you know Ricky, and then the bottom fell out, and then since then, it's been a wasteland. So, I think when we look back at it we say, wow, we should appreciate that. And again, as a, I covered the Dolphins for years, but as known as a Heat guy, I think Heat fans should be very careful. <laughs> I think they should be very careful. I, I think, you know, you, you cannot take for granted sustained success like Shula had, like Riley has had. Uh, look at the Sacramento Kings. Look at the Arizona Cardinals for years. Look at, look at the Cincinnati Bengals. You cannot take that for granted. And Shula did that and also created kind of a monument to himself in the way that he, he handled things and handled himself. And I, I went one thing with Blue. There are very few, um, you know, pretty much doing this 25 years, there are very few personalities in sports that have got me a little bit, uh, wow, okay, that guy's got presence, okay? Right. Um, and when you step back a little bit. I mean, Pat was one for me until I was dealing with him every day. Uh, Muhammad Ali is one that I was right. in a room with, um, Michael Jordan. I remember I was in Washington when Michael was up there at, in, with the wizards and was not even playing, I think at the time. Uh, but, uh, I remember I was talking to Mitch Richmond in the locker room and there was nobody else in the locker room. And I hear this booming voice behind me. Can I have a minute with Mitch? And I turned around and, Oh, there's MJ behind me. And it just like startles you for a second. There, there's a few people. Don Shula was one of those people. Um, yeah. where when he was in the room, there was a certain presence that was different for him than anybody else. And, and look, every coach the dolphins have brought in, the comparison was made. He's going to be our next Don Shula. And the reality is there is no next Don Shula. Um, I think the current head coach of all the ones that I've covered or been around at all, and I'm not around Flora as much, but a little bit, bears the most in similarity to him, honestly, of all the others. I think Saban might have been the other guy, but he wasn't really invested in it. But to, to me, there was uh, – the, other, the others did not. Adam Gase didn't have any resemblance to Don Shula uh, you know, Joe Philbin, Camp Cameron, Dan Campbell. I mean, I don't want to relive all of it, but, <laughs> but, but, but Flores is the first one that I think you can actually say, wow, there are some principles that Don believed in that I think Flores is trying to bring back to the organization. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I mean, if you remember the one thing that, that you could see with, with Flores now, never makes promises. Never said, well, we're going to be nine. And, you know, never does that. You know, he just, 
he's learned. And that's the one thing about Don Shula. No matter what, you know, he would he start the year out and he would, oh, we're going to win 12 games. We're going to never said that. And, you know, that's the one thing that you got to like about a head coach. I mean, he's he has his own expectations. He doesn't need to share them with everybody. You know, he'll share them with his team. And if, if um, I, I do remember after they lost to the Cowboys and um, that he did say, and, and I guess it was, you know, in the locker room after, and I think Bob Greasy kind of echoed that. Um, he goes, I want you guys to remember what it feels like because we're not going to feel like this next year. And that's the only thing, I mean, that of any type of motivation or any boastfulness, that's the only thing that I ever remember. And I see a lot of that in Flores. And, and I, you know, I half at the beginning of the season when everybody's like kind of last year looking at Flores, oh, I don't know about this guy. But I, you could tell, you could tell right away. He's all business. I mean, he's all business. He's, you know, he wanted to make sure we are not tanking, okay? Want to let you know right off the bat, I, I don't do that. That's not how I was brought up. And you got to respect that. You've got to respect that, that, you know, you know, and almost, <laughs> it almost reminds me of that, that movie Major League. I mean, they wanted them to lose, so they would uh, move to Miami or whatever it was. But, uh, and they never bought into it, you know. And that's the way Don Shula was. That's the way Flores. That's a good comparison because I, I think out of all the guys that you mentioned, um, uh, they're probably most businesslike. Uh, you know, of any of the coaches, you know, I mean, Tony had to be a little bit more circusy like and say, Hey, you know what, well, we're going to do this and we're going to do that. And, you know, wait till we get the, uh, but he, but he didn't do that. And, and, and I, and that's the one thing also if you, that I always recall about Don Chulo offer no excuses, never throw anybody under the bus. Um, he would kick their butts in the practice, I'm sure, you know, and tell them, but he would never openly, you know, cut any of the the guys down or put anybody, throw anybody under the bus. And that's why people respect him. He might eat them up, you know, in a room by themselves, you know, but he would never do it where everybody could see it. And um, I, I think that's, I think that's a lot what Flores does too. And I mean, you could, you could credit Bill Belichick. I mean, I, I mean, I know that the Dolphin fans hate Belichick and what he does, but the guy wins and he, you know, he has a, he has a method to his, his madness. And, and I think that's what you're going to see over the next few years with Flores. Yeah. And on the way out here, let me just get Chris in here one last time before we send you on your way. And we promise we will talk about undrafted free agents next week and, and Tom Garfinkel's plans to have fans in the stands. But Chris, one, one final thing. When you watch Brian Flores, do you get the sense that this is a different type of man, that this is – a little bit more in the mold of a Don Shula, a guy, a serious person. And do you see the differences right away from Flores to the other guys that, you know, that went after Don Shula? Well, what I, what I can say is that Flores is a little bit different than some, not a little bit different than others. Um, again, you have to keep in mind that as a, a fan that was probably about 14 years old when, uh, when Don Shula retired, mm -hmm. um, I don't have that great of a working memory of him as a coach, uh, as, as a coach of the Miami Dolphins. Uh, to me, Flores strikes a tone that's very similar to Tony Sperano. Um, and and that's, uh, that's, that's what I would go, where I would go first for a comparison in uh, Miami Dolphins history. Um, but I think you kind of alluded to it, and uh, Alf, before, and it, 
it's worth reiterating the expectations and the victim of your own success, uh, being the victim of your own success. And that's, that's Don Shula in those latter days, because, you know, I may have only been 14 or 15 years old, but I, I was still old enough to register opinions among family and friends that, um, that pushing him out was the wrong thing. And, you know, that this is, this is, an icon of dolphins history and uh and you shouldn't you know even though i didn't have a clue what i was saying but uh, i think i think that uh you look at that and and <laughs> look at the draft picks that we've had recently and then look back at the the recent the first round picks that he he exited with troy vincent and mm-hmm. you know oj mcduffie and tim bowens not just mm-hmm. not just good players you know not just sort of jared odricks and and a guy like demonte parker that ends up one day having a good season. I mean, these are, these are key people for the Miami Dolphins franchise, um, part of the franchise history. And then, and then, okay. Yeah. Billy Milliner. It's like, yeah. <laughs> All right. Maybe, maybe we, maybe, I don't think at the time that we had the same tools for evaluation, uh, evaluation and grading that we do today. And, um, and so the pendulum sort of, you know, I, I really detest how the pendulum has, swung the other way a little bit you know we where we we learn to accept the mediocrity of ryan Tannehill and not not try and do better um and and maybe that's applied to some of the coaches as well and and i don't want to get on brian flores because i think he's been good at what he's done but the fact of the matter is five games ain't ain't a comparison to don shula you know um five wins ain't a comparison to don shula and and i know that he exceeded expectations but his history has not been written yet. His successful history has not been written yet. And I'm anxious to see it. But, um, but we, you know, back in the day, it's just such a, such a juxtaposition between the, the mid-90s when Don Shula wasn't enough. You know, Don Shula wasn't enough. And then today when, you know, Ryan Tannehill is enough or, or even, you know, 5-11, and 11, we're, we're excited about this. Um, you know, I think the Brian Flores has has a great opportunity to write his own history with the Miami Dolphins franchise, and and that's that's what I'll say about that. Yeah, and on the way out here, let me just say, uh, one time at at a Dolphins draft party, uh, the Dolphins finished taking Tim Bowens, and I wanted Johnny Morton because I thought the Dolphins needed another wide receiver for for Dan Marino at the time, and I remember speaking to to Jim Mandich, rest in peace. And he told me, if the old man wants Tim Bowens, the old man knows something about Tim Bowens. And sure enough, Tim Bowens had a very, very good career here. Uh, He was an icon. He deserves to be remembered fondly. Rest in peace, Don Shula. That's it. There is no more. Thank you to Ethan Skolnick. Thank you to Larry Bluestein. Of course, my co-host, Chris Kaufman. We will have Simon Clancy hopefully next week where we will talk about other things, other happier things. But rest in peace, Don Shula. Thanks for listening to Three Yards Per Caddy. You can subscribe via iTunes, on Podbean, or your usual podcast provider. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then 
place a $5 wager on any sport, you'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success.